guys, I want to get loud all of a sudden. I'm do it. Sorry, I'm going to I knew it was coming. I'm sorry, guys. Can't I need back. to do that. It is. It is. You feel like Poseidon chucking that bugger down. <laughs> <laughs> chucking that bugger. Did Boy, you butt out that deer? I did not butt out that deer, but the next one I get, okay, he's getting his butt out. Is that little Stevie I hear? No. Uh, <laughs> Drobop. Bow drop. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hello. Stay tuned. I'll be back after my seizure. <laughs> Every little chipmunk that was running around, everything's dead quiet, and I went <laughs> like that. Just happened. Just happened. I saw what is in essence a nature gasm. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to the Rutten River Pursuits podcast. We are gathered around the Sonic Campfire tonight for an extra special local episode. I'm Steve. It's Uncle Buck. I'm Will. I'm Catfish. So, Phil, about, I don't know, 18 months, two years ago, we set out on this podcast journey, right? Yep. And what was one of our goals? To make Pennsylvania sexy again. Oh, you nailed it, brother. You nailed it. <laughs> you didn't that, even have to set it up. I, no, you, no hints. No hints. No hints. But the, our guest tonight is doing just that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The creator of the Facebook page, Hunting Fishing in the Great Outdoors, Andy Barlett. Welcome, Andy. Hi, guys. Great uh, to meet you. So it's an honor to be on your show. Ah, absolutely. It's an honor to have you on sure the show. Is. Yeah, it, it is. sure is. So we, we came across Andy's kind of like a big a big fan of the show, right? I mean, he's he's always liking, always commenting, always, you know, leaving us reviews. He's an awesome guy that you know, follows us pretty close. Yeah, I list, listen to your stuff pretty much every week. Yeah, and we, we follow you every week too. How'd you come up with the idea of, of starting a group like yours? In a lot of the groups, you you post pictures and stuff like mm-hmm. that. It seems like it's only for bow hunters or it's only for fly fishing or it's only for... I wanted it to be more all-inclusive. If you shot a crossbow, you didn't have to worry about necessarily having guys pick at you for this or that. Or if you fly fish and nobody is going to basically you aren't going to be judged you're just a sportsman who loves to do what you do whether you're from colorado or alaska or pennsylvania or we have guys from all over the united states we got people from belize in our group australia no kidding Uh, i just think it's an interesting mix of people every now and then you don't know what you're going to really see on hunting fishing integrate outdoors Uh, a couple weeks ago we had a guy uh, named sam woods he was down in Puerto Rico air gun hunting for iguanas. I have guys who go up to Lake Ontario and they troll for king salmon. I mean, it's a very diverse group of sportsmen. I did both of those last week. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I don't doubt that. You know, it's, it is. It, it's a fun thing to see to like share with. I see what people share and stuff like that. I just get a kick out of it. Um, knowing that people can actually share it and not be jumped on or, yeah, you know, they just kind of do what they do and there's nobody, you know, rack shaming or whatever you call it. It's just, it is what it is. You, you're promoting the outdoors and you're pro- promoting hunters. Well, yeah, in a nutshell, it's what I wanted to do. 
because I do have my concerns. Uh, in the long run, I want hunting to be promoted. Yeah. Um, I want people to enjoy the outdoors. I don't want people, you know, running themselves ragged. I want, you know, I love to see the guys who shoot the big bucks, but I also like seeing the guys who go on the Potomac river and shoot a barrel of, I don't know, snakeheads or whatever. I want it to be a well-rounded group, I guess you would say. Sure. Absolutely. I think that that's the, the cool part about it is diversity of, it keeps it, it keeps it attractive to see all the different things. You know, some guys might find, you know, gigging frogs boring compared to antelope hunting, but I don't. I find it all super cool. I like that. Yeah, and that's, I was raised, my father is a deer hunter. That's all he really, he does. And I was raised a deer hunter and I always wanted to turkey hunt. But when I was a kid, my dad really didn't have a tremendous interest to do that because, you know, he had two sons and he had to work and you only have so many vacation days. As an adult, I started trying to do all this other stuff. And you run into different people, and then you just see how different everybody really is. You go to the Harrisburg Sportsman Show, and you can run into people from all walks of life, all sorts of people. And I just thought it was one of those things. You could meet a guy from Australia who shoots feral cats. You could meet a guy from, (laughs) you know, Wisconsin who he hunts with an 870 slug gun that his grandfather did. I mean, it's. Hunting is such a heritage tradition, whatever you want to call it. I, I, it needs to be protected for not only for the heritage of it, but for conservation. Right. Yeah, 100%. Well, well the heritage of it as an out, like I'm from Pennsylvania. Uh, just from what you said, I know you're from Pennsylvania because from yes. an outsider looking in, when people say PA hunting, the first thing they think of is deer hunters. Um, yes. You know, like our heritage growing up, most of our uncles and fathers and mothers, my grandmother, uh, deer hunting was first foremost. My dad didn't hunt turkeys. My dad didn't hunt geese, even though that I do now. So my story's a lot like yours. It took me to be an adult and get away from the house to pick up those other. I mean, we hunted we hunted some doves and groundhogs, you know, um, in the off season. But I mean, deer hunting was was that was the religious hunting that that's what it was right growing up so and and in my family bow hunting was like it you know nope. we hunted with a rifle to fill the freezer but we shot 3ds and indoor and all that other stuff because we just bow hunted that's what we loved to do and i still love bow hunting i i love bow fishing every year uh it seems i've taken somebody new out uh bow fishing whether it's you know with rays with captain mark spagnola or uh just shooting carp down at a river, you know, it's kind of cheaper. They, you get them a fishing license, you put a bow in their hand and let them shoot at a few carp and kind of play with a bow and see whether they want to go further. And I have introduced, I think, three or four different people in the past two years to bow fishing. And I took one of my friends that he's not a hunter, but he wants to go with me again with Captain Mark. Uh, down in Maryland. He's been after me, and I'm just really? waiting for an opening to take him. How, how long have you known Captain Mark? Um, well, we started bow fishing, I think, back in 2011, and I booked a trip with him at the Harrisburg Show since 2011. We've been doing a trip once a year with him. I've been trying to hook it up that I can do more than one trip, but it's just between money and time and everything else, I get one ray trip a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
He's a riot. He's a yes, he is. He is, and I, you know, the funny thing is about Marks, he's a really funny guy, but he's super professional. And the first time I went down there, he kind of blew my mind how well he kind of has the race figured out down there. It's yeah, yeah, kind of weird. It's a beautiful place that he has down there. Uh, that he the area that he run, and. It's an absolute blast going after the raids. You miss more than you hit, but at least I do anyway. But an absolute beautiful day out in the water, almost always. Does, does he make you sit in the corner if you miss too much? I, he hasn't made me yet. Oh, I had to sit in the yet. corner of the duck boat, Andy. Well, probably because you peed I, in the boat. Yeah, well, sorry. I have not went out with sea ducks for him yet I, anytime you can get on one of his boats it's, it's just gonna be just plan on having a good day right. yeah did he make you a meatball sandwich oh. no he has not made me a meatball sandwich yet i've heard of them i heard <laughs> no. them. Oh, good. Yeah, it's a uh, mama spagnola special yeah, mama that, spagnola yeah. <laughs> old family recipe from germany <laughs> the old world <laughs> yeah yeah those german spagnolas are yeah, <laughs> banging it, <laughs> Andy. You started touching on it a little bit uh, a few minutes ago, but t- take us back to young Andy as a new hunter, and and tell us uh, what that was like growing up with the w- w- with the dad that kind of sounds like introduced you to deer hunting fairly early. Uh, I started shooting a bow when I was six or seven. Uh, my family was involved in a local uh, gun club. They ran uh, youth archery classes. He was, uh, I think, he became the president of the archery committee there, and we were there about every weekend. Uh, I was pretty good with a bow, and at that w- at one time was the only thing I really wanted to hunt with, whether it was for turkeys or whatever. And then I started wanting to play with other things like shotguns rifles and shooting longer and varmint hunting and i still love the bow it's like the thing that pulls me back because you got to get closer and it's i don't know it's fun it's it's fun i think it's i don't know if it's cheaper to shoot a bow anymore but it's not anymore it's, def, it's definitely fun i don't know what it is about it maybe it's is it more primitive is it more primitive to you because that's kind of i mean i i don't hunt i mean i'll hang out with these guys in the woods, but they tell me that archery hunting is more, I guess primitive is the right word. Is that, is that how you take I, it? There's definitely something more personal when a deer is seven yards away than 300 yards away. Yeah. It, you got Cause it's a lot harder to keep your, yourself together, let alone and uh, not blow the shot. I, I come mean, unglued. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I've been, uh, lucky and fortunate to have some of those close encounters and and take deer that are close but man inside i am a wreck and you're exactly <laughs> right you're you know yeah, i've i've had those moments too where you know uh sometimes it's better that it happens quick i've shot a coyote um but we were out here i'm from southeast pa and mm-hmm. we have our season starts uh early out here i, I forget what date it was i think it was latter september mid-september something like that and we were out uh sitting on the edge of a uh i think it was a cut soybean field or something 
And we were just every now and then we I would just give a little fawn call and we knew that there were coyotes there. So it was kind of a double mission. Maybe we could whack a doe, maybe a coyote. We were mainly leaning towards the doe and I ended up calling a coyote came running across in front of me and I shot it and we got it. But, you know, it was one of those things that, you know, sometimes if you have less time to think about it, it's a little better, (laughs) I guess. Yeah. I will blow a hunt every time to kill a coyote. I don't care if it's the first day of rifle season. Yeah, my yeah. day's over. He's dead. Yeah, that's kind of my attitude. Um, it's not. It's not know, that I hate if, coyotes. If, but it I gets within range of me. Like. It was meant to be. That's the way I always look at it. Yeah. Andy, are you, are you doing this from a tree stand or a ground blind? How, how are this you was the the coyote. Yes. This was on the ground. This was me and my brother. He was sitting over my shoulder. We were just hoping, actually, I think he had a camera. We were dabbling with filming it, and it, it, it happened so darn quick. The coyote came uh, running across, or whatever you want to call it, came running across, and he I, he didn't press the button. I shot, and I looked back at him, and he was like, yeah, it didn't happen. <laughs> so, but Wow. Yeah. There's a lot of calls on the market, too, and a lot of them are great, but I... I mean, I'm not like no pro predator hunter or anything, but the fawn in distress call is, it's like Moses family jerky to me. Like you can, <laughs> you can like wave it in front of me while we're fishing and you're getting tackled in the water if you don't give it to me. You know? Right. But it, it is no, no joking aside. The fawn, the fawn in distress call really makes them let their guard down, I think. And they come in pretty quick. And like, I think it was a, a little bit of luck and a little bit of you. I was how should I put it? It was a little bit of luck. And it was a little bit, you have to be out there to shoot them too. Because I, you know, we were literally two dudes sitting on the ground. I had a bow, my brother had a camera and this coyote just happened to run in front of us. Uh, like can't cornering away. And he was headed for a cornfield. Cause I think he thought it was a fawn Then he realized it wasn't. I shot him on the move. And by the time he realized, by the time he made it to the corn, I hit him. Wow. Now, now, do you typically hunt with your brother? Is that like your hunting partner? Yeah, my brother and me, uh, we uh, we do a lot of different kinds of hunts together. Uh, we just were in Kingsburg, New Jersey, uh, fishing for saltwater uh, fish. We've, we've hunted in Maine and South Carolina and a bunch of other places together. And, yeah, especially in Pennsylvania, we, uh, we get around. There's not many things in life that I get jealous over. I don't get jealous over other people's women. I don't get jealous over other people's expensive bows or trucks. Boats? I, boats. Well, I do get, no. That's, <laughs> That's another water story. Um, but, like, not having a brother growing up um, was something that really, I think, always bugged me. Seeing wow. other people having brothers. I'm just <laughs> I was going to say... But I was blessed to have Will as a brother growing up since second grade. Um, And we have actually, Will and I have, we've really trekked around a lot of places together. Yeah, South Carolina, Florida to Canada, uh, hunting and fishing. And if you don't have that tight brotherhood to hunt with for people out there, if you don't have a brother to hunt with, it is never too late to go find yourself and let your guard down a good friend and start a brotherhood. I mean, we, we just started another one with Sean Kennedy. Yeah. He's up and coming. And, uh, 
It's, He's a good like, kid. If you don't have that close knit group with somebody as a hunter, I think that you that's something to, in hunting you can learn is try to find that too. You have to insist on it, and and it sounds like you guys are. Do you guys pick something one like once a year? You just pick something different, or or is it just um, kind of tradition that you kind of we. It, it's strange. It's I don't really know. It isn't like we we just pick something once a year. Uh, every now and then, I end up like last year. I went to Wyoming without him because we talked about going to Wyoming, but he wanted to do the bow. And I'm like, dude, if I have an opportunity to go, I'm gonna go. And I'm, oh, uh, but yeah. it was still uh, a great hunt, and I would love to go out with the bow. But like I said, we've done bear hunts together, and we hunt a lot in Pennsylvania together, and. You know, um, it, and as what Catfish was saying, I mean, about being jealous, having a brother, uh, you know, it is, uh, it, there is something to having a good hunting partner or a brother, uh, that either motivates you and sometimes you're not feeling, I don't know, you're not, you, you don't want to go the extra mile or you, and you could kick each other's butt a little bit, mm-hmm. you know to get out of your own way and he has done that and i've done it to him and uh you know and sometimes you help each other out like you know he'll have a dead battery somewhere and i'll go get him and and that's happened where he his truck broke down in the woods and you know i had to give him a ride somewhere i mean it's better to have a you know a good hunting partner and a brother than not and sure. that was one of the reasons why I wanted to start hunting fishing in the great outdoors, because I think in Pennsylvania, I think I, I come from a long line of hunters and it seems that the groups and the gangs have either gotten smaller or shrank to the point where like my grandfather would tell me a story about how they would hunt for bear up in Pike County or whatever, which is in Eastern Pennsylvania up in the Poconos. And they would have a whole bunch of his brothers and this and that. And then it would shrink from my dad's generation. It was a much smaller group. And then it didn't go anywhere from there. And I, I had a concern that like a lot of the hunting camps up north and a lot of the old, I don't really know what you call them, clans or whatever you would hear them called back in the day, you know, the organized small game drives and stuff like that. It seems like everything, hunting opportunities became harder and guys kind of uh, pushed away from each other. You know you what I mean? think guys are getting more like secretive about more secretive, more, you know, this is mine. Why do you think that is? Cause it, I don't know if the popularity is, is getting like, is, is hunting growing in popularity or is it just that there's, there's less and less land I or think, spots available nowadays? I, I, I honestly, I, I would like to think it's the hunting popularity is honestly getting to be more. I don't necessarily think I don't know if that's reality. Yeah. I honestly think, uh, I don't want to say quality habitat, but I think, you know, good habitat, good hunting spots, at least in East. I don't, like I said, I don't necessarily know 100% where you're coming from, but there's a lot more houses uh, here in Eastern PA than there were when I was born. Yeah. Uh, a lot less pheasants and cottontails since I was born. There's probably something to play into that. Um, I don't know about what's going on in the rest of the state. I like Tioga County or out in 
Somerset County. I just know Southeast PA, there's, uh, it seems to be a lot less habitat where wild game is. Well, it is harder. It's, uh, here's my take on it. I was, I'm, in this, I'm in the same mindset as you, Andy. Whenever my grandfather went hunting, uh, even whenever up to whenever I was a, you know, 10, 12 years old, we had a hunting camp with a large group of guys that got together and did the hunting camp thing, which is one of, another thing like a brotherhood. If people don't know what deer camp is, I, I really feel bad they missed out on that. Um, however, you know, I drive around where my father would tell me, hey, uh, that mall right there, we used to hunt, you know, rabbits where that mall sits and wherever there were Denny's is, you know, we used to chase grouse. And I'm like, yeah, I spend a lot of time in the PA woods. I very rarely see a grouse dad, if at all. And, uh, Oh, they freak you out though when you do. Yeah. So I think times have just changed (laughs) and it's, in my opinion, hunting is a lot like if you have the right place to hunt, you're totally addicted. Like if you grow up with a, a kid and a kid grows up hunting and he gets a chance to not, maybe not harvest a deer every year, but at least see deer every year, Yeah. then he's addicted. If I take a kid fishing for the first time and he catches, you know, 30, 40, 100 crappies, he's instantly addicted to fishing. If oh, I yeah. take him yeah. fishing six, seven, eight times and he catches nothing, fishing sucks. You're like, yeah. this yeah. is boring. So I really think it's super important that if you're going to get a kid into hunting or fishing, take the extra step to get a good place to take them for the first time so they have a really good positive experience because everybody knows as much once once it's in your blood and you're a true addict once once it's your lifestyle you can sit for day on day and and day on day and in and out and not see a deer not care because you love the sport but when you're first getting into it that's really not the case so um, mm-hmm. And I do, I think, anyhow, my point was, I think it does have a lot to do with good hunting spots because people are, you used to be able to walk on a farmer's property and go, hey, man, can I can I hunt? When I was a kid, we would just drive up, knock on the door. The only thing you had to worry about was him not saying no, it was his dog. You know, now yeah. nowadays it's it's kind of sketchy to drive on his property to knock on his door. Like it's, yeah. it's not easy to gain access to good hunting properties anymore because if it is good, typically somebody has it. So yeah, that's water, very true. Waterfowl hunting's extremely territorial down here. It shouldn't be so, but we have a lot of the fields where guys get up and we're in the field at three a.m. to compete for fields. Um, no kid. That's yeah. one thing that I, you know, I have, I have to say. had guys tell me uh, that they get up that they they roost the bird, especially on opening day of turkey. They roost the bird. Uh, my one buddy, I, I go uh, stingray fishing with every year. Uh, he told me that he went out and he roosted the bird. If he feels it's going to be there, he gets up at 2.30 in the morning and he will literally get in there before everybody else because he has gotten to the point where it's like, if he thinks he could put it on like with that bird that day, mm-hmm. he doesn't want to wait an hour and a half before sunlight because he knows everybody else is coming at that time too. Yeah. So he wants to be the first guy in there. So he can, so he can blink a light at him. Is that what yeah. So saying? he yeah. can bl- flash the light at him and hopefully send him on another direction. And there's not, there's no Pennsylvania hunter that hasn't seen that walk into the woods yeah. in the dark in a place that maybe you've even hunted for years. Now all of a sudden somebody's blinking a light at you or vice versa. I've blinked lights at many guys coming into the woods. Um, it's not a really great feeling to have it done to you or do it to somebody. You know, it's 
especially somebody that's coming in late. I mean, I hate to do it to somebody, but uh, so I really think that that has a lot to do with the popularity of hunting in social media has, I don't think, ever been as strong as it is, ever. Yeah, I agree. Um, however, I think the places for people to hunt and have hunting camps with property taxes and the amount of money it takes to do the things that they did back then makes it tougher to do. Um, sure. I don't sure. think the heritage is dead in some of those things. Big hunting parties, hunting deer camp, I think that it has to do a lot with money and and what it costs nowadays to do that. Things were cheaper when it was our grandfather's days, you know, plus yeah. that was what they ate. You know, like they, I mean, we all eat our wild game. We all love our wild game, but my grandfather lived on deer. Like it wasn't something that, oh, it's deer season. We're going to go get a deer, put it in the freezer so we can make jerky. That was, I'm going to go supply my family with meat. And so it was like, if it was brown, it's down days, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the beginning of that. Uh, I shouldn't say the beginning of that. I don't. I remember probably the tail end of that. Um, we have. I, I'm assuming you guys have point restrictions and all that stuff <laughs> out there. Yeah, you know, we do now. Statewide now, but uh, I, I in the beginning I didn't really like the point restrictions. I thought. Do you, do you like um, it now? What do you like it now? I honestly. I, I'm not going to lie. I honestly do. I, I thought yeah. it was, I don't want to say counterintuitive. I, I thought it was, let me put it to you this way. I, I, I liked, I guess I kind of grew attached to the brown, it's down concept. Right. Um, but I do, I do like seeing bigger bucks. I do see that. Uh, I have seen larger bucks due to it. Uh, if I had one thing I wish, and I don't know about other areas, I, I wish they would limit doe tags a little bit other than that. I, would, I think yeah. the Pennsylvania Game Commission don't get enough credit for all the great stuff they've done over the years. Uh, I, I'm in your camp, man. Like, we're Pennsylvania, yeah. and we do uh, a lot of things that, uh, or we have to deal with a lot of things that other states just don't have to deal with. And and for what we, you know, our resources and the things that we have, we, we have a pretty good system. And, and, and you can you can get on deer, you can get on pheasant if you really work it. You're just, you got it. And you can get on turkey. You can get, like, we have that opportunity. It's just. Yeah. And, and a lot of guys are out that I hear complaining are complaining of the wardens. Like, they, hmm. they stereotype the wardens that are in the field doing it, that dangerous job, as the game commission. They're not the guys making decisions. They're foot soldiers. Right. And yes. we have more hunters in Pennsylvania. I, I, I constitute it as, and not, not all hunters are, are ethical great hunters. I would like to think that they are. I've run into a few that are grouchy or whatnot, you know, like that are the ones that are complaining about the game. Territorial, grouchy. I, I, I would like say you have a prison that's way, way, way overpopulated with three guys per cell and they got them stashed away in the back and the prison guards are half of staff of what they're supposed to be that's our game wardens in pennsylvania we have a yeah. ton of hunters a ton of land and very little game wardens to do their job these are not the guys in harrisburg or wherever that are making the decisions of of our game laws so right. people that complain about the game wardens should really you know just take a big step back and look at the big picture they're doing their job you know like they're they're doing the best that they can do and uh, well, now, and it's just like I hate. I have to bring this up, though. It's almost like there's a flip side of that coin. 
the, like when we were in Canada and we did, we saw all those mosquitoes and black flies, count, you know, countless millions. It was like the Persian army against you. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then you come back to Pennsylvania and you get bit up once or twice by a campfire. The, like some of the guys in Alaska, their game wardens will come to Pennsylvania and go, Oh, this is your territory. Really? And it's tough. Is, yeah. is that right? Cause we fly float planes for four hours to go out to the other end of our territory. It's just me. So, I mean, it's all perspective. The guys here really do a tough job. I have a game warden that lives in my community. Uh, a lot of guys think he's extremely strict, hardcore for, you know, jump into bust you right away. Uh, you're guilty before innocent type of guy. And at first he comes across like that until you get to talk to him in a parking lot pheasant hunting. Sure, he wants to check your pheasant, wants to see your hunting license. That's his but job. Then, then make small talk with him. He's another dude. Like, right, right, right. You know, he's humanized the guy that he has a job to do. And he is the guy, before people complain about him, that is what's helping us keep our heritage alive. And, so, and most likely, he's a hunter giving up his Saturday he is, to do yes. his job you, instead buddy. of hunting and doing what he loves. I mean, let, I need to add that. You know, when I was younger, I, I considered, um, I career shadowed a Gabe Warden um, in high school. It was one of the things I was like, I want to do that when I grow up. Until and you find I, out they don't get paid anything. And I career shadowed this guy, and he was telling me about his job. And it sounded really cool, but then it was, you look at the fact that they're understaffed, they don't get paid that much, your hunting season, the days that you want to be off and hunting, you have to work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's, there is a lot of times where you're approaching people in very uh, dark situations and strange situations, you are, and there are all these people, mind you, while you're approaching them are usually heavily armed but sometimes even in a group yeah. and i'm thinking to myself and i don't want to say gay borns are nuts but it sounds like hey it's kind of a it's a, <laughs> I don't want to say sketchy job but it is a job that you would really have to in my opinion you'd have you'd really have to be into it to do it now, i do love hunting but I, I i love hunting i don't necessarily know if i'd want to miss most of my rifle season and most no. of my archery season you know, well, there are other ways that you can preserve our sport. Um, you know, like you didn't go down that path, but you're doing it by sharing what you're sharing. That's true. You know, yeah. You know, like, well, thank you. Like everything that you do, it only like it only matters. You, like one thing that you do in your life, it only takes one right person to see it to be like make a path down. You know, a good positive path down something that'll positive somebody's life somewhere and you may not even know it happened by but from something that you shared or did um and the more that we can do this like you us uh, like-minded people the more that we can share and do it all positive things is only going to make it stronger so i agree 100 percent um i agree and that's one of my goal was my goal i basically said if i can convince one dude who may be hunted once or twice a year with the rifle to say you know what like if i put a video up and they they see some guy shoot a deer with a bow and it motivates them to go out with a crossbow and then they start buying an extra tag and they start hunting more and they take the kid out and that's two people that are hunting more than what yeah. yeah could have been well we're doing it you, you said before yeah. we talked about the deer camps I loved going to deer camp as a kid. I was younger, 
some of the guys would we would lock the guns away they would they would have a couple beers they'd play poker the night before uh i helped make sandwiches the just i can't even tell you the the late night even the 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 ungodly stench of deer camp was (laughs) something that i remember uh my brother ryan one time said that he remembered every time that he came home the smell of cow manure in the air like see i do listen to you so sometimes yeah like he knew he he knew hey hunt you know it's hunting season soon like that was the start of everything and um so we're doing kind of the same thing like we don't get into big groups because maybe we can't afford a deer camp and do the family thing but i think that social media done correctly is our deer camp yeah like we're in our deer camp right now this is us talking with you in deer camp that's a good point that's a great way to put it well that's why i changed it to the hunting fishing in the great outdoors community a couple months ago because i wanted it to be a community i was hoping people would talk to each other i was hoping people from this state and that state or this county and that county would talk ask questions do this i'm not saying they got to give each other hunting spots but if they have a question about something, they can ask. It isn't just, you know, just a bragging board or just a place to advertise your business or just a place to, you know, I wanted it to be something, I would say, meaningful. Something where if a guy has a question or you could congratulate somebody on a deer they shot. I mean, even if it's something as little as that. Right. Now, I, and those are some of the most powerful moments of your life. And, and it doesn't have to be this monster, you know, front page of a magazine deer. It just has to be a deer. And, and, or, or it has to be an experience to be, you know, just being out with somebody that you've never done before. It, you know, challenging yourself. Be, you know, all these things add up to something very great. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and to be able to kind of share that is invaluable. And, and, and like, I'll tell you this story. The best round of golf I ever had, I was by myself. And I, I actually I had a, uh, two eagles. And I'm, I'm not a great golfer. And I'm not telling you that I am a great golfer. It was just one day. It was magical. And I actually looked for my ball because I didn't think I Did hit the eagles it in. take it? An eagle took it, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, Twice. So I actually looked around for my ball thinking I lost it. And here, you know, it was in a cup kind of situation. I looked like, I looked around like, like I wanted to high five yeah. someone, oh my anyone. God. I'm so sorry, brother. I'd, I'd get it now. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was <laughs> actually thinking eagles. I'm sorry. I realize what you're saying. <laughs> you thought he got two eagles. Yeah. Well, I, I, was wait, I was waiting for birdie. another uh, and a birdie. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for another, na- you know, na- nature gas. Thank God it wasn't an albatross. Yeah, was, I got three albatross in one round. But the bottom line is, is like I wanted, I needed someone there to high five, and no one was there, and it was the weirdest moment in my life. The, and no one, I couldn't. Not that anybody has to believe me that that happened to me, but it did. We do, you know. Um, so. I guess, you know, to, to go back to, you know, we are doing it and I'm proud of you for doing what you do, Andy, you know, like, like we follow you pretty intensely in, and, uh, in your community. It, it's just, it's a really cool place to be. And it's hard to bottle that feeling. Will's will the, the whole thing of brotherhood. I said earlier, one of the best deer I've ever shot last year 
was last year, and it was a doe. But it had a different feeling to it. I'm getting a little older. I have a little bit more um, challenges facing me to get out. I had to do a little bit more homework to hunt from the ground last year. And so I arrowed this doe, and it crashed off into the woods. And the first thing I do is call Will because I want that high five, you know. And Will shows up. You know, he's an hour and 15 minutes away. Will shows up to help me track it without even asking him. But, I mean, it was the the step-by-step. Brother shows up. We find a deer. My wife joins us, learns how to blood trail. He drags it through the thickest crap there is to the truck and then gives me a honey bun and stays and helps me butcher. Pure adrenaline. Like, that whole night was overwhelming, different feeling after feeling after feeling of, like, you can't bottle that. You can't, and you you can't um, Can't, manufacture it. So it's, that's what I'm saying about having kids, if you try to get kids, adults, you know, buck anybody into hunting, if you can get them on a positive feeling like that, uh, an adrenaline high of good feeling. Yeah. And, and you're doing a good job, too, of blocking the bad stuff. You know, you have to manage that. That's a choice. You know, and, and I don't want to, you know, keep, uh, you know, I don't know, just going off. But you're, I think it's a really well-run site. And, yeah. and you know, th- like, it's a choice. Like, on face, I don't want to get into Facebook al- algorithms either. But, like, all you have to do to block the bad stuff is just not like it, not share it, not pay attention to Keep it. Keep scrolling. Keep yeah. scrolling. Yeah. Don't give it another, you know, don't give it a voice, but give this, you know, like the stuff that you like. Yeah, you don't have to get into debates. I've never once commented on something that was negative in my life on Facebook because I find that it's... It's too easy to, and too well, many people do so, and it's a gr- thank you for choosing not to. There's nothing negative about hunting unless you make it that way. If you don't like it, keep going. Amen. Like, I see a lot of pictures with brains hanging out and arrows, really bad shot placements where they could have flipped the deer over to take the picture. Like, a lot of poor picture-taking things on Facebook that frustrate me as a sportsman going, why would you post that picture? They're not helping And I, us. I could have texted, yeah. dude, you, you know, you could have put that groundhog in a different position, his eyeballs hanging, whatever. And that frustrates me. But it's easier to keep scrolling and hope that somebody learns from... Because... Guess what? There's going to be a hundred other guys commenting on it. So why should I throw my two cents? <laughs> right. right. Well, I, I I've heard a number of stories in my life. Like I said, I hang I I've, like hanging around hunters, and sometimes you hear stories and they tell you a story about how they shot a deer or this or that. And I'll be like, you know, and not if it's illegal, but I'll hear a story and I've heard some stories where it's like, and. What? It's just like, do me a favor. I'll, I'll shake the guy's hand and I'll congratulate him about his deer because he got a deer, you know, and he deserves a congratulations for that. But I also would say, do me a favor. Don't ever tell anybody that story. No, yeah. Because yeah. it is, I don't care how interesting you think it is. It's bad for Not the everybody's going to think it's that interesting. Yeah, I, I love it. <laughs> Not when... everybody's going to think it's cool not everybody's gonna think it's it and i don't want to uh lean a certain way and pretend like we're not hunting but you know hunting to me is not we have to have the grossest picture the the oddest picture i want it to be kind of a good picture i want it to represent uh the animal and the environment and all that stuff um 
And the problem with me sometimes, I don't really like it myself either at times, and I wish I could get away from it a little bit, is the garage pitchers. Yeah. But you shoot them at night, and pitchers, you know, which sometimes aren't that great, but, you know, I got a lot of garage pitchers. I wish I had more daytime pitchers, but it is what it is. They ain't generally, the deer generally are in very good shape, and we try to clean them up and make them presentable. But, um, like you, you were talking about earlier about, uh, you know, brothership and sharing the honey bun on the tailgate. Uh, me and my brother, we joined a, a camp, I think, about two or three years ago. The night before either bear seasoned or um, rifle season, we go up to our, our camp up in uh, Carbon County, and uh, we set up his uh, canvas tent, and I have a cylinder stove, and we literally we sleep out the night before bear and we'll sleep the night out before buck season and we literally will take like i guess you'd say like uh, a meal and we'll cook uh kielbasa on top of the stove and we'll have beer and we 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 chill out and we talk and we might even listen to your guys podcast and just kind of hang out in the woods and sounds like a pretty nice Saturday yeah, night. <laughs> it's kind of a good deal, you know, because we don't, we only have a lease. We don't have a cabin. And a lot of people thought we were crazy. And there are times that I honestly thought it was crazy because it does get cold. You know, it is one of those things. But I can honestly say it is, it makes the hunt more memorable. You yeah. remember, sure. you know, the pitchers mean more. The, you know, the hunt itself lasts a little longer. It isn't, you know, you get up super early, you drive up there. You have a tendency to forget those drives and, you know, but, mm-hmm. you know, you go to camp and have a good time and it lasts a little longer and it makes it a little bit more of a lasting impression. Well, memories, memories are really all you can take with you. You know, it's, yeah. you know, and don't get me wrong. I got Lacey, my wife has a house full of turkey taxidermy, but even taxidermy is you can look up and it can help you kind of remember the hunt. Like it's great. And I'm not against taxidermy, but um, there's just something about taking that extra step. Like the honey bun is not really a honey bun. The honey bun is a symbol of, you know, stopping for a second. Like don't right. just throw the tr- the deer in the truck and race home. Like literally stop wherever you're at, whether it's after the shot, the first blood, find the arrow, at some point during your hunt or your fishing trip, stop, look around, take a few minutes for yourself, and embed that memory into your brain because you'll remember it better if you stop to smell the roses, so, so to speak, or eat the honey bun. Um, and that's kind of what you're doing with your brother. You're just doing it pre-hunt. You're doing it deer camp. You're preserving the memory and the, you know sharing the brotherhood of the hunt because how much of that camping do you really remember like that's the good times yeah because you know last two years we didn't shoot anything necessarily up a camp but we still had a good time we ended up going home but i shot a buck around home but uh, it's beautiful up there i love going up there we still camp out and it's it's just something a little different the terrain's different uh, you have an opportunity to see more bears and stuck grouse and all that stuff it's just I wouldn't miss it for the world, even though I'm sleeping in a cot and freezing and I have to wake up yeah. every few hours, and put logs in the stove. It, it's one of those things that it's a little extra work, but it's worth it. 
Yeah. Yeah. And there's different kinds of brotherhood. I mean, brother Ryan has a brother that shoots his bucks out from underneath him and like goes up the day before <laughs> and sprays fox pee all over around his tree stand so they don't come to his tree stand. Um, no, and that's and but still that's I don't know like the the camaraderie of brotherhood where they mess with each other or whatnot. That's it's all. It's all part of well, it's all part know, of the sports. That, that goes on too. It's just I'm not really talking about that right now. <laughs> but you know, it, it, it there there has been those moments too, where you know jokes have been made and you know comments have been made about other things. But we're just going to stay on a positive note this evening. Oh, uh, we'll get your brother that. on the fo- on the phone and maybe he'll spill the beans. What's his number? <laughs> we call it brother rebuttal. I, I don't really know. Off the <laughs> I got I got a smartphone. I don't remember no. Right, right, right. Andy, I, I want to change gears here because we're 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 actually man, this has been great. But we've we've got through over three quarters of the podcast. I want to talk about fishing because it's fishing season for me. So I'm not okay. to, I just want to change gears. Um, change them up, bud. No, yeah. I know. crank her down. Yeah, downshift. I know you're from hit Pennsylvania. that clutch, low gear. Yep. So I know you're Back probably a big smallie fisherman. <laughs> Uh, okay, yeah. A smallmouth fisherman, trout fisherman. We have a few, have a few uh, res- reservoirs with Blue Marsh and uh, Lake Ohlone out here. We get a little bit more uh, largemouth, but we can get into some smallies. I caught a nice largemouth in Blue Marsh once at a catfish tournament. Yeah. yeah. No kidding. It, it ate a piece of cut bait. Yeah. Whoa. Really? Yeah, believe it or not. And circle hook and cut bait. It was wow. a nice largemouth. And that was at night. Wow. Yeah. Have you ever been up to Blue Marsh? No. It's a nice place. It's nice. Is it? Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't know. Guess we're taking yeah, they, a boat on they a trip. Some, they, I know they have a, a local uh, Bassmaster uh, out there, a local Bassmaster League out there. It's an interesting place. They run a lot of really. They have pike, and I mean, I don't think they have a lot. I, I hear from the local tackle shops that they're catching striper out there. And where is it? Uh, every now and then they get pike and <laughs> stuff Marsh. like that. But you never been to Blue Marsh? No. Where, what part of the it's state a hop, is it? Skipping and jump northeast from here. Uh, it's it's right about, below Cabela's. I'd say it's about 15, 20 minutes away from Cabela's. Yeah, uh, no, it's in Redding, Pennsylvania. Hamburger. Holy buckets. It's north of Hot Dog. Stevie oh. just perked up. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they have a little got bit. Him at pike. They have a little bit of everything. They got, uh, if you go south of Blue Marsh, they have a uh, it's called the Topahawken River. There's a special section of it restricted just for fly angling. It's uh, you go north of it. They got hey, whatever you A little into. bit of everything. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> fly. We'll do that when we're older, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Fly the the fly time and angling. I don't have the patience for it yet. Now they do say you can do some, you know like fly fishing for smallies on topwater Susquehanna. Yeah, but that interests me. I heard of that. That interests me a lot. Have you ever tried that? And Are you talking to me? Yeah, do you fly fish? I got my answer, I guess. Yeah. You, talk, um, you must yeah. be talking to me. Um, I, when I was younger, I dabbled with uh, fly fishing. Uh, and it, it was mainly, I would say, it was my latter teens. I caught a few uh, bass on hair bugs and stuff like that. Right. Where it like spinners and bugs during the summertime, hair bugs. And I never caught a trout. I've never caught anything larger than a panfish or maybe a largemouth bass because I use, I don't, I don't have the whole, I guess I don't have the patience to learn about the hatch and the no, entomology. Yeah. I'm, and I'm with you on I that. just never got that deep into it. Fly fishing's not about size. It's an art. Yep. Yeah. That, that's where I, I, I just kind of, 
it seemed like it would take a long time and I've already got like bow fishing and I got hunting and it's one of those things maybe one day I'll dig down into it I got two sure. fly rods already so one of the things I really want to try on my lake is like there's this little magic hour like literally the yeah. hour before dark where the crappies come up to the surface and they look like like popcorn popping right uh, really? uh, yeah, at least once or twice a week, uh, three times a week. It depends. If the water's really flat, if we took a fly rod out for crappies, that mm-hmm. would be... What are they eating? They're, them little tiny, like like Andy just said, I didn't never well, learn. They're, they're eating bugs. Little tiny bugs and mosquitoes that are hitting the water. No yeah, it's crazy to watch them, yeah. We should yeah. try that. Yeah, southeast Pennsylvania, it has its... It has its... I don't know. It's one of those things where people don't really know it everybody goes up north or they go west but we have our spots where there's good fishing and there's good hunting and if you you know i I wish more people would get involved and would you know would would just see what's around them at times and sure you know even myself i'm shocked every now and then i'll be out in the woods and i'll see a bear and i'll be like holy cow who knew that was here yeah yeah right right in my backyard you know or it's, a coyote or something like that it's some, and it's it's something where guys got to slow down a little bit too yeah there, there can be really great that. hunting in your backyard they're like right in your community and great fishing backyard. um and point case in point like we go out on the lake in the morning and we see some high-end bass boats and guys that go out, and mm-hmm. they're cruising the bank casting so fast that they want to cover as much water as they can. There's just there's nothing biting here. Let's go. And I'll see bass boats literally just run across the lake back and forth all day, full tilt to hit another spot. And we just really go slow and work an area, and we'll catch a bunch of fish where they just went through. You just need to slow down because mm-hmm. – just because you didn't kill a deer on a property last year doesn't mean there's not deer there. Just because you went fishing, you know, the fishing might have been off that day. We'll you know? work, like, th- to your point, we'll work, like, maybe three, four lures in yeah. the same spot. Just, they're going to get something. You yes. know what I mean? We found that, that yes. they're going to they're gonna get something. It might mm-hmm. not be, you know, you don't have to, to cover that water that, that everybody's saying. No, just slow down and really, I guess... Hone in on what you have and what you what right. you have to work with. I mean, even if it, you're if you only have a canoe to fish out of, you can go catch fish. And, and like and I that my point is is in Pennsylvania, people go, oh, I'm going to Ohio to hunt. I'm going to you know Illinois to hunt. Yeah, they have nice big bucks, but uh, Pennsylvania's got some some nice deer here, you know. And it's there's there are still places, great places to hunt. It just takes a little bit more smiling and knocking on doors than it used to to go find those places, you know. And, and pages like yours, I guess really what I'm hoping for the future of social media isn't so much that everybody's trying to stand out as much as if everybody would get together and go, please come fishing with me instead of look at all my fish. If we would all share oh, our spots then everybody could enjoy like if if it's if, if a give and take situation if somebody has a place to hunt some does and somebody doesn't have a good archery spot but i have a phenomenal lake to fish in why can't we trade you trade know? Off, and yeah. through that you can make a new brotherhood you know so that's my hope for the social media of the world is that we can well, really and i think i think your site's all you know pushing for that so well one of my i i don't know 
being that I live near Cabela's, I get to here. I'm there a couple times a week, usually two two <laughs> times a week on average. Lucky dog. Uh, just because I get bored <laughs> or it's bad weather or whatever. But uh, I get up there quite a bit. Um, and, you know, archery season will roll around and you'll hear people asking questions or I'll hear people say things or I'll be at work. And people will be talking about hunting. And it'll be, you know, I, I think one of the things that I think that scares people off a lot of times is that they think they need the new Hoyt or they need the new Bowtech or they need the new, they need this high-end bow or the new Excalibur. Uh, you know, you could, you can go to, I, and I don't want to encourage people to shoot bows that aren't set up right or anything, but you could get a used bow. And have it set up for you. Uh, Absolutely, probably three or four bows I've ever had. Where I, my dad bought them from somebody at work, and they fit me. And we made, or if they didn't fit me, went to a bow shop. They set them up. We got some arrows, we got some broadheads, and I practiced. And I killed quite a few deer, you know, with secondhand equipment. You don't need to go out and buy brand new stuff. And you know, it's really more the practice and putting in time. And just liking archery or, I mean, if you, you're more into the bow hunting and you're not as much into archery, you might want a crossbow and that's fine too. Just as long as you're ethical with the use of it and all that jazz. But, Mm -hmm. um, I just, I just don't want, you know, people to be, well, I, I don't have a 300 foot, a bow that shoots over 300 feet per second and I can't afford that. So I don't want to go. And to me, uh, no, you, I, I've heard great... people say that comment that you can't kill a deer with it. I'm like, well, how did Fred Bear do it? Because I guarantee you his yeah. recurves weren't yeah. shooting 300 feet per second. Great Howard point. Hill, Bob Swinehart, mm-hmm. a lot of these older traditional guys, they look at that as a bygone era. But realistically, before the compound bow was invented, that was bow hunting. Yeah. No, it's it's a great point. And that's, once again, just like Will said, it's utilizing what you have you know, yeah. dig through the equipment that you have that you probably forgot about and get it yeah. back, get it back out and put it to work. Absolutely. And that was one of my things. I'd rather have people. I think sometimes people are always out. I don't know. It just, it's just one of those things. I see people that they just, uh, they get themselves into kind of a financial hole and they can afford their equipment. They can't afford to hunt. I'd rather see people out hunting than. Oh, Amen. Boy, sitting did you on hit the, the couch, on the there. I mean, sitting at work and trying to—that's one of the—that's one of the, their new site. Nope, that's one of the reasons I bought a used boat and rebuilt it because now we can afford to go on fishing trips instead of having a big boat payment. That's what yep. I'm talking about. Yep, yep. If you and again, if you are blessed to get new bows or different you know situations like that, make sure. And it, this is my personal, you know, this is Will talking mm-hmm. to to everybody. But like if your buddy, if your old bow is better than your buddy's bow, new bow, or, or, or what he has going on, share it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Pass it Absolutely. down. Absolutely. I never but have it, to buy a bow. <laughs> <laughs> I pass mine down. Will passes his down to me. I'm using a great pass down bow. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're all they're all newer, and it's, it's new just, to me. Yeah, but like. Make sure, like, share. This is the, that's the beauty of it. If you're taking ethical shots, too, if you're shooting 25 yards and under, you don't need a super fast bow. I mean, just, and, and just I be guess really that's proficient. My point. I think a lot of, and I don't want to rail on the outdoor channel or rail out on anybody. 
Rail out, your, brother. What, what you <laughs> Let wanna, them have it. What you want to do with your tag, you do with your hunting license. But I know what kind of shot I'm going to take, and it isn't going to be a far one. It's going to be a closer one. And if you can handle a longer shot, I just, you know. It is tough when you hear guys, you know, a day or two after archery started or before guys will stand at the counter and you know like you said earlier those stories you don't want to hear oh i arrowed a really nice buck at 83 yards with my new crossbow yeah you know, i those, heard that you the, know those types of yeah. stories make me cringe um where i just think that they need that brotherhood or that deer camp for somebody to say hey dow back a notch you know uh um if you would have waited if you would have stopped and threw more lures in one spot that buck might have came into you and you might have gotten that close encounter that you might have dreamed of you know uh, if you can't if you can't see him blink, you know if you can't see the snot coming off his nose, he ain't close <laughs> enough for me. Yeah. So. Hey, uh, you know I agree. You know, but I'm not going to tell anybody what to do with their time. No, so. no, you're right. Absolutely, Andy. I love your new. I love the site, and I really appreciate you following us. I can't stand doing this, but this is one of the fastest podcasts we've ever done. Yeah, we're, we're way past time. I want to keep going. So we're going to actually have to... Uh, I didn't even get asked questions like, what's he doing now to get ready for buck season? And I know, but we're... But you got to ask You got to ask him the, what's your a, closing question. What's right? a question that you would typically ask around this, around this, time? this time? Yeah. I, I must ask, Andy, what would your bucket list hunt or fishing trip be? It could be either or. Money's no object. Money's no object, Not Andy. an object. What would you be doing? Um... I do have a few bucket list trips, but probably the top one on my list right now. And I'm I'm working Feral at it. Cats uh, in Australia. It would be <laughs> what did you say a fair? West Texas outad. Oh yeah, what? Out that's new for us. In West Texas. What do you say? The outad in, in oh, Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Could you hear me right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I just okay, didn't understand sorry. the outad. Yeah. You, now I know what you're talking about. Yeah, in Texas, the big you know sweeping horn. They're beautiful. Absolutely. What is it? Aw, Dad. It's, a Aw, Dad. Sh- it's like a sheep kind of... My kids of- say that all the time. Aw, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I got that one. Eagle. <laughs> Two I, don't, I think that's the first. That's the first for us. Yeah, yeah that, that's a good first one. What a, what a, a lot of people want to go to Texas, though. Yeah. yeah. For different things. What else you got, Andy? What's past that? Um, well, I shot my first. That was the alligator. Then after that, oh, I, after the Aw, Dad, uh, I want to... I want to go over to Africa and get a gems buck. I'll go with you because I would like the Nile crocodile. That's well, maybe we can hook that up someday. Maybe you can find me a good uh, we can use, outfit. You can use your gems buck to bait catfishes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do. We'll take some rib meat out and we'll, we'll track him in. Uh-huh. Andy, you got to be careful about saying maybe we'll do that one of these days to us because we hold you to it. Yeah, I'll show up on your doorstep. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'm waiting. Yeah. <laughs> Catfish will show up with tickets to where? Africa. Paradise. Oh, Joe. Uh, we're flying into Johannesburg. Pack your got bags. There. Get your shots by May, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> take your DEET. <laughs> yeah, you got to take DEET with you to Africa. The mosquitoes are like three and a half pounds each. Your hair net. Yeah. I mean, your face net. Andy, this is awesome, man. Thanks for... Oh, I could do this for another hour. I appreciate yeah, we, we you spending time with us. There's so much we didn't get to cover. I, I apologize, Andy. I wish we would have been nope, able no to. No problem. It was an absolute honor and yeah. a treat to talk to you guys. You well, guys are really pleasure. funny. I enjoyed listening to all your podcasts. Now, it. Uh, I personally think it's cool that, you know, 
the 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 thing I did hunting fishing in the great outdoors community actually made it to that your guys' attention that, a little bit of you, know, that you guys <laughs> noticed it. Oh yeah, man, absolutely. we notice it every day, Andy. I mean, yeah. it's one of the things oh, I look I for try, on Facebook. You know, it's what it is, but right, well, um, hey, uh, we we appreciate you calling in. Appreciate talking to you. Everybody, go check out hunting fishing in the great outdoors community on Facebook. Andy, yeah, are hopefully you, you got to get an invite to that. You can't just check it out, can you? Oh, you can. No, I, I did have to make it private because I was having. Uh, oh man! Well, yeah, I, yeah, you got to bug your buddy. Issues with bug your buddy. Uh, people. You know, if I when I left it public, uh, I you had, had some jerks people come in and start a few issues. But if you are a hunter and it's obvious you're a hunter, I do let you in. Yeah. Uh, every now and then I get some guy who wants to sell sham wows or some, you know, dude who pretends he's a hunter and then he goes into a, like an animal rights activist binge and then I have to kick him out. So uh-huh. I just started screening a little bit. If you're you're a hunter, you're a fisherman, I will let you in. Uh, I just like to know that you are and you aren't going to cause trouble. That's yeah, the only thing. Amen. Can't blame you for makes that, sense. Andy. I mean, hey. I just don't want people to have to deal with people posting ridiculous stuff or causing arguments and stress. If, yeah. pe- if people want to go on and just see a couple pictures of Andy, like you have an Instagram page that has uh, like yes, your, has your antelope and your alligator and stuff on it. How do they find you there? Uh, I believe that's uh, OzzyBar1 on Instagram. That's yep. my dog. But, uh, yeah, I got my alligator, some campy pictures, uh, places I've been. It's other hunting stuff. But, yeah, I'm on Instagram. Uh, I have hunting and fishing in the great outdoors on Facebook. And that's about it. I, I try to – I limit myself to certain uh, social media things, and I that's about it at this point. Uh, it's smart. I, I was away in Canada for the last couple of weeks, and I didn't have my cell phone, and I I missed it a lot and i think i got if i got addicted to it quite a bit so yeah. you know you gotta cut yourself off you know what i mean limit yourself you yeah. gotta know your limitations it's funny you mentioned that since canada i mm-hmm. made a new rule on, on thursdays i leave my phone at the house do you yep i've been trying to call you yep. all day yep on thursdays i leave my phone at the house at, well i take it to work in case but uh <laughs> like when we go out fishing at night on thursdays yeah i leave it at the house now. yeah nice yep stevie which is really bad when you catch a really nice bass and you're like oh, oh yeah. i have no phone but i'll like tell you canada. that story on the current awesome well thank you andy thanks andy thank you andy thank you guys it was a real pleasure our pleasure hey, hey stevie yeah bucky how can they find us oh uh, we're everywhere dude where try <laughs> <laughs> look us up online ruttenriverpursuits.com every social media outlet I think on the planet, Facebook, Facebook Twitter, Twitter, Insta, Insta, that's about YouTube it. at the Rutten River Pursuits podcast. podcast. Yeah, download the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and Castbox. Cast I believe Andy listens on Castbox. So uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you know that for sure? Oh, I know that for sure. And if you're in Canada, where we were, buy yourself a sat phone so you can listen to us. <laughs> Something. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Later. Later. Rigam weedless. Because, and what I told the boys two weeks ago was... What'd you tell them? There is not nearly the compression that Will puts on, so that stuff picks up real easy. So what I generally do when I'm ready to talk, I get right up here, and I do my talking, and then get away. And 
I sit back like this. Yeah, it's now if I if I needed to talk, like I could go back, ha ha, make yeah, a little laugh back here. Oh yeah. But if I had a question, I'd roll up into the mic like that. Oh, get all of Oh yeah. Get all of it. I get get all of it. Tongue distance. Oh. I'll break in the fourth year. Or maybe the first. I don't know.